This is Scientific American Science Talk, posted on October 9th, 2019. I'm Steve Mursky. The Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences has today decided to award the 2019 Nobel Prize in Chemistry jointly to John B. Goodenough, M. Stanley Whittingham, and Akira Yoshino for the development of lithium-ion batteries. Joran Hansen, Secretary General of the Academy, earlier today. What follows is an edited version of the rest of the announcement, a brief explainer, and some of the press conference. John B. Goodenough was born in Jena in Germany in 1922. He obtained his PhD at the University of Chicago and is currently affiliated with the University of Texas at Austin in the United States. Being born in 1922, Dr. Goodenough is the oldest Nobel laureate ever awarded the prize. Dr. Ashkin, last year's physics laureate, is actually a couple of months younger. M. Stanley Whittingham was born in 1941 in Nottingham in the United Kingdom. He got his PhD from Oxford University in the UK, and he is today at Binghamton University of the State University of New York system in the United States. Akira Yoshino was born in 1948 in Suita in Japan. He is professor at Meiyo University in Nagoya, and he's also affiliated with the Asahi Kasei Corporation in Tokyo in Japan. And now I'd like to ask uh, Sara Snogerup-Linse uh, of the Nobel Committee for Chemistry to make some remarks about the prize. This year's Nobel Prize in Chemistry rewards the development of lithium-ion batteries. We have gained access to a technical revolution. The laureates developed lightweight batteries of high enough potential to be useful in many applications. Truly portable electronics, mobile phones, pacemakers, but also long-distance electric cars. The ability to store energy from renewable sources, the sun, the wind, opens up for sustainable energy consumption. To make this possible, the laureates solved a number of chemical challenges. They tamed a reactive element. They built two homes between which lithium ions can travel in a controlled manner. Use, recharge, use, recharge, many hundred times to make a durable battery. I now hand over to my colleague, Olof Ramström, who will provide you with more details in a highly charged story. That's absolutely correct. This is a highly charged story of tremendous potential. And as you, of course, have understood, this is all about batteries. So, but before we can actually understand more of the very important discoveries that our three lawyers have made, we need to maybe remember a little bit about how actually a battery operates. For example, a AA battery contains two electrodes, an anode and a cathode, and those are separated by some kind of electrolyte. It's typically a liquid that can host or accommodate charges or ions. And sometimes you also have a barrier between these two electrodes, so they physically separated from the water so you don't get short circuits. And what actually happens in a battery is that you have chemical reactions taking place at each of the electrodes. And that generates 
electrons that can then pass through the circuit, the electric circuit, and power whatever electric device that you want to power. It may look relatively easy to make a battery, right? However, that is definitely not the case. It's really very, very hard to produce, to design and, and develop well-working uh, well and efficient batteries. And just as examples, some of the batteries we're still using today, like the lead-acid battery and alkaline batteries, they have their origin in the 19th century. So it's really a hard, a hard job to make a new good battery. Yet, that's exactly what our three lawyers have done. They have taken on this challenge, and, they have, and their discoveries have led to the development of the phenomenal, fantastic lithium-ion battery. So what is this all about then? Well, as you can see, the name you know, reveals it. This is about lithium. And lithium has atomic number three. And it's a very small, small element. And it's actually the lightest metal we have. And it actually floats, at least temporarily, on water, if you would try that. And that is a very good and attractive kind of property of lithium, because that means that you can pack lots of lithium atoms in a battery, and you still have light weight and a small volume. Another property of lithium that is also very good is that lithium has an enormous tendency to give away one of its electrons, and then it becomes a positively charged lithium ion. These are fantastic properties, but there is a flip side. And the flip side, as you heard a little bit from, from Sara here, is that it's a fantastically reactive element. So, it, for example, it reacts quite vigorously with water. So, in order to use lithium in a battery, you really need to tame its reactivity. And that's exactly what, what the work of the laureates really have achieved. So, how did they actually do it? Well, let's jump directly to the 1970s. So, around in the middle of the 1970s, Dr. Stanley Whittingham discovered a fantastic material titanium disulfide that can be used as a cathode together with the lithium. Titanium disulfide is actually a layered material. So you have layers, and between the layers you have gaps where lithium ions can sneak in and go out freely. And, very, and also very, very advantages with this type of material, it has a relatively high potential towards lithium. So when you put this together in a, a battery, you can get a quite high potential of two volts. That's already quite good for any battery. Remember, some of the alkaline batteries we use today are one and a half volts, right? So two volts is already quite good for a battery. However, uh, uh, during this time, it also became quite evident that lithium metal is not really quite optimal to have in a battery, right? Because you can have problems. So the idea came up how do we should replace lithium with something else. And then you have two challenges. One is, with what do you actually want? Can you replace it with? And secondly, whenever you replace lithium metal, the overall battery potential will go down from, in this case, then 2 volts to less than 2 volts. So another challenge would be, how do, you, how do you maintain the battery voltage or even increase it? And that's exactly what happens next. So in around 1980, Dr. Goodenough, he discovered a really phenomenal, fantastic material that could actually do this. And that material was based on cobalt oxide, 
And again, this is also a kind of layered material that have gaps between the layers where lithium ions can go in and out freely. And because this is an oxide material, it contains oxygen atoms, then you get a fantastic high potential towards lithium. So when you put this together with a lithium in a battery configuration, you will get an enormous, enormous voltage of four volts. And this is a gigantic leap in the battery world from two to four volts. It's a huge leap. However, we still have the lithium metal as one of the, uh, one, one of the electrodes here. But, so how do you replace that? And that's exactly what happened next. So in the 1980s, Dr. Yoshino, he started working on trying to figure out ways to replace the lithium metal. And he started looking at different types of carbon, carbonaceous materials. And he found out that certain qualities of, for example, petroleum coke, when you treat it in the right way, also contains this kind of layered structure where you have gaps where lithium ions can go in and out. And furthermore, this material, these carbonaceous materials, had a fantastically low potential compared to lithium. So when you put this together, this uh, material together with uh, good enough uh, uh, cathode material, you can maintain a fantastically high voltage in this particular battery of four volts. So the way it works is that you have two electrodes. Both of these electrodes are materials which can take up and release lithium ions at different potential. So the, what happens here is that during discharge, you have lithium ions going from one material across the electrolyte and into the other material. And at the same time, the electrons are passing through the circuit, driving your electric device. And this, this, this makes it very safe because here you don't have any trace of lithium metal. So it makes it much safer. And also, this is very important, that you can turn this process around. So if you plug this battery into a power source or a charger, you can reverse the process and you can recharge the battery. And of course, this process you can do many, many, many times. Hundreds of times before the, the battery actually uh, degrades or, or loses its capacity. So you can see that these discoveries really led to the development of a fantastic product, the lithium-ion battery. This type of battery has found applications in many, many, many instances. Everything from small mobile electronics, not the least the mobile phone that we're all using all the time, every day, but also larger objects like vehicles, electric vehicles like uh, bicycles and cars and, and other things. Um, but it's also increasingly being used as a complement to power sources, energy sources that fluctuate over time, like solar energy and wind energy, for example. So you can see that this, this battery has had a dramatic impact on our society. And it's very clear that the, the discoveries of our three laureates really made, it, made this possible. So it's really been to the very best benefit of humankind. So by that, I just want to leave the word back to Secretary Hansen. And now, questions to the panel. Uh, this is Ximing Fu from China's National Xinhua News Agency. I would like to, uh, it seems to me that this year's prize is a cross-disciplinary 
research between chemistry and physics. So I'd like you, the panel, maybe expert, give us some comments or elaboration on the significance of cross-disciplinary researches in basic science in the future. Who would like to start? Well, I can start. It's very, it's absolutely correct. This is, this year's award is very much a multidisciplinary effort. So you can say that we have had uh, input from all sorts of chemistry, uh, not the least electrochemistry, which is, of course, at the heart of this uh, award, but also other branches of chemistry that had to come in to, you know, make this uh, reality. But also, as you say, it's also uh, definitely connected to physics. And if you want to go even one step longer, it's also definitely connected to engineering and, you know, development of the actual products. And so I would say that this is definitely a very good example of when all these, uh, uh, all these disciplines can come together and you can find, uh, find uh, so, uh, points, touching points between the disciplines that can lead to such an important you know, and dramatically highly Im high impact uh, product that we've seen here with the lithium-ion batteries. So I think that's a really very good comment there. Sarah, would you like to add? I could add that I, mean, I foresee that a lot of new discoveries in, in the future, important discoveries, will be interdisciplinary. So it will require scientists in different fields that are experts within their fields, but to be able to communicate. And chemistry is sort of in the middle, it's between physics and medicine, and everything is molecular or atomic, so chemistry is always going to be part of many new developments. Um, Stefan Trump from the German News Agency, DPA. Um, thanks again for this uh, conference. Um, I'm wondering also what, in your opinion, what kind of contribution this um, development of batteries is to regarding solving the climate crisis, or if you think that there's a lot of work ahead of us still. Well, I can start. Uh, definitely, this, uh, we have seen development that this battery can contribute to, to at least... Uh, reduce the climate effects that we may see, that we are seeing. And, and, and the reason I'm saying that is because we see a switch from fossil fuel uh, transportation to electrically driven transportation. And that is at least uh, on, the global, on the local level is a direct effect on the environment. But also you move the powered, uh, powered production from the cars, from the, from the vehicles to power plants where you more easily can you know, manage the, the, the production. Uh, and also we can see that we see uh, this, as I mentioned in the last point there, this battery type or, or similar battery types, they are increasingly being used as complement to these kind of renewable sources, energy sources that fluctuates over time like solar energy. So you can have the battery being charged when you have access to solar power. And then at night when the sun, the sun is down, you can actually use then the power that is supplied from the batteries. So definitely those two things that are definitely uh, really making an impact and probably will make much more of an impact in the future. Yeah, and you're right that this is one of the main pressing issues for humankind to solve for the future. And, and development of these batteries is a huge step forward so that we can really store solar and wind energy. Uh, but of course, there's very active development going on to make even better batteries uh, of other materials like iron phosphate, they are even easier to produce at large scale.